You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Humby Savetta. We have a fantastic service for you here today. Uh, how many of you guys know Clayton Tyner? He, he's kind of a big deal around our, our city church area. He's one of the Bandera Road guys, and he's here to teach one of the series that he started over there. It's called Grace on Tap. And it's something that changed lives, countless lives there at the Bandera Road campus. And that was my hope and prayer for bringing this service downtown to you guys, is that more lives would be changed and you guys would better understand exactly how much our great God loves you. So enjoy the rest of the service. It's going to be a good one. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm so glad to be here. I love coming to the downtown campus every time I get to come, uh, which isn't all that often, but when I do, I just really treasure it. So I'm excited for our time today. And before we get going, let me just pray over this. God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your presence. And... uh, God, we ask that your spirit would just fill this room and would communicate to our hearts exactly what it is that we need to hear today. And uh, so we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, back when I was in sixth grade, my family lived up in Washington, D.C. And so I grew up in church, and some of you might have as well. And you always looked forward to summer camp, right? That was one of the things that you did growing up in church. And so sixth grade was going to be my last year to be able to go to children's camp. So sixth grade, I was top dog. I was really looking forward to it. This was going to be the best year ever, like late nights and rec time and cute chicks. I mean, it was just going to, going to be awesome. And every year, we had the biggest event of camp that we all looked forward to, which was nighttime hide-and-go-seek. So I don't know, like as an adult now, what these people were thinking, taking kids like on the brink of puberty and just sending them out in the dark, but uh, they did. And uh, every year, a group of the adult sponsors would go all out, and the adults hid from the kids. And so this wasn't like a wussy game of hide. This was like full camo, climbing trees, scaling buildings, like hiding under buses and stuff. And so here's the deal. If you found one of the elite hiders, then your reputation for being awesome was sealed for the rest of camp. And so the night finally came and I was just overwhelmed with excitement. However, things quickly went south. You see, as I wandered in the dark trying to find one of the adults, I apparently went out of bounds. Now, I had no idea, one, because it was pitch black outside, and I was 11 years old, and the only thing I was thinking about was finding one of these adults. Well, I was spotted by one of the church leaders, and He let me know that I was out of bounds. And after participating in the week's biggest event for about 10 minutes, I was immediately disqualified and heavily reprimanded. And so for the rest of the evening, I sat alone in the chapel for hours, listening 
to everyone else, have a great time at the game. Now, in sixth grade, I didn't think my life could possibly get any worse, but it did. So after everyone came back in the chapel for our late night service, the leader who had punished me got up in front of the whole camp, just like I'm standing in front of you right now, and let everyone know that I was a rule breaker. This adult stood up, singled me out by name, and shamed me in front of everyone. And honestly, I can remember this flood of emotions coming over me as I sat there surrounded by my peers and hung my head and started to cry. Yeah, that's the part where you say, aww. You know, growing up in church, we talked about grace all of the time, but it seemed like we rarely showed it to anyone. I was told that grace was the good news, but it seemed like all we ever talked about was bad news. Like, don't drink, you'll go to hell. Don't dance, you'll go to hell. Don't smoke, you may not go to hell, but you'll smell like you've been there already. And I mean, it's ridiculous and it seems harmless. But we all know how traumatic events in our childhood can follow us. And while many of you probably suffered much worse things than this, that night at kids camp did something to me. It made me feel like this grace we talked about was a trap. Like it was just waiting for me to go out of bounds so that it could punish me, and that jacked me up. On that day, I began to become aware of something inside of me. I started realizing that I had this deep inner thirst, and nothing that I could do could quench it. There was something inside of me that wasn't right. There was something that was missing. And you know, I realized that we all have these inner thirsts. It's the feelings that we numb with drugs or alcohol. It's the 10 pounds that we'll do anything to lose, even if it's harmful for our body. The inner thirst is why we jump from relationship to relationship, hoping that the right partner will fill in what's missing. Or maybe it's why we keep our calendars overflowing so we don't have to stop and face the emptiness inside. Maybe you think there's a certain amount of money that will fix it, but the pursuit only increases the demand, or it's the dissatisfaction with your parents or your spouse or even your children. Or maybe it's why you secretly hate the church. Maybe you've been hurt. You've been guilted. You have found yourself a little bit out of bounds and grace was there to punish you. You know, our society at large is all too familiar with this gnawing sense of thirst. And these thirsts are not only common, they're actually an integral part of our human condition. And so culture deals with it by calling it things like coming of age or finding yourself, thinking that they can disguise its true nature, but you can call it whatever you want. 
The truth is that many people spend their entire lives searching for something that is missing inside of them. Many people get overwhelmed and turn to harmful behaviors. And some people give up altogether and take their own lives. But fortunately, there is hope. The good news is that what you and I need to quench these inner thirst is not only available, it's actually abundant. In fact, we're gonna learn that it's on tap. So in the book of John, which is one of the gospels in the Bible, we see Jesus traveling from Judea in the south up to Galilee in the north. Now, when we think about Jesus these days, we think about him as like this mega rock star, but it's important to remember that when Jesus was on earth, he was actually quite poor. Like, Jesus wasn't riding from town to town in his C-class chariot, all right? Jesus walked. And so about halfway through this long trip, he stopped at a well to rest. See, Jesus was tired and he was thirsty. Now soon a woman came up with a pitcher to draw water out of the well and Jesus told her he was thirsty and he asked her if she would give him something to drink. Now, to us, this just makes sense. I mean, it's a logical story. You know, dude's thirsty and homegirl's got water, so you just put it together and... But 2,000 years ago, this was a huge social misstep. First of all, men were not allowed to talk to women unless their husbands were there. In fact, men who broke this custom were normally soliciting prostitution. Now second, this woman was a Samaritan, and Jesus was a Jew, and Samaritans and Jews got together like Cowboys and Eagles fans, but maybe a little bit worse. So this woman told Jesus that she was confused. I mean, why would he ask a Samaritan woman for anything? And it's a fair question. Why would Jesus break this social custom and even risk being seen as a womanizer to talk to this woman? Could Jesus really have been that thirsty? Was he really that tired? Had he been walking that far? Well, in response to the woman, Jesus looked beyond his own physical thirst and he focused on this woman's inner thirst. So listen to how he responds. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, what Jesus was offering this woman was huge. It is actually the thing that we are all needing to quench our own inner thirsts. And so to really understand this crucial conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, 
It will help us to have a biblical understanding of what Jesus was actually offering her. What did Jesus actually mean when he said living water? And so to understand that, what we're gonna do really quickly is we're gonna kinda zoom out and look at the Bible as a whole. And we're gonna look at what's called the doctrine of soteriology, which is just a fancy way of saying the study of salvation. Now, the concept of soteriology is all throughout the Bible. And it starts at the very beginning. In fact, it starts before the beginning. So God is an eternal being. That means that before anything was, God was. And long after all of this is gone, God will still be. Now here at City Church, we also believe that God created this world and that in it he placed his most prized possession, us, people. God created a man and a woman and he made them perfect. They had absolutely everything that they wanted or needed, which means they had no inner thirst. And the reason is because they were in the very presence of God. Now, scientists have speculated about what the perfect man might have looked like, and they've gotten kind of close, and they've gotten kind of close. <laughs> I mean, you know. Now, as we know, man and woman did not stay perfect. One day they encountered a temptation that they chose not to resist. They sinned. And when they sinned, they lost intimacy with God and all of creation followed. This is our historical heritage. This represents our lives. We have been separated from God's presence by our sin. And so from that moment on, there was a gap in the lives of all people, and that gap is what today we're calling our inner thirsts. See, the Bible says that everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. As hard as we try, we all fall short. And falling short is a big deal. It's why our lives are never quite right. It's why there's this gap, this inner thirst. It's why our relationships keep falling apart and our addictions keep winning over us. It's why we're prideful and lustful. It's why we can't seem to hold on to that job. Falling short is a big deal. And the biggest deal is we're no longer in God's presence. And so we're living with a gap, a longing for something more, for a life of significance. But you see, God knows this. And he knows that no matter how hard we try, we cannot bridge our own gaps in our lives. 
And many of you know this because you've been trying for years. The Bible says that it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it's according to God's mercy that we can be saved. And since God knew that we could not work our way up to him, he decided to come down for us. He sent us his son. He sent us Jesus. The Bible says that this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. You see, here's the deal. This gap matters because God is the source of all grace and not the jacked up kind of grace that you might have experienced growing up, but real, true grace, the only kind of grace that can fix this gap in our lives. And when he sent Jesus down, Jesus not only came down to us, but he also tapped in to God's grace and he made it free and abundant to all people. When Jesus came down, he put grace on tap and he made it available to us. You see, this is what Jesus was offering the woman at the well. He was offering her grace on tap. You know, because Jesus is God, he already knew everything about this woman. He knew that she was a social outcast, that she'd been married five times and was now living with her sixth husband. He knew that she was trying desperately to cover up the pain and the emptiness that she felt inside. He knew that she needed so much more than physical water from a well. She needed grace on tap. But before she could experience that grace, she had to believe in who it was that she was talking to. So here's what we have to get today. Here's the secret. You can't get grace on tap if you don't know the one who has access to it. Think about it. If you go somewhere to get a drink and you can't find the bartender, you're out of luck. Well, Jesus is like our heavenly bartender. And if you want access to the grace on tap, you have to know him. It's not enough to know about Jesus and all that he's done for us. It's not enough to know about how much God loves you or even to know about grace on tap. You have to know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have access to the grace that you need to quench your inner thirst. This is the same thing that applied to the woman at the well. Jesus was offering her grace on tap, but it didn't matter unless she recognized who he was. She didn't yet realize that he was the only one qualified to offer her what she truly needed. She had to know Jesus. It was her only hope, and it's our only hope. And so Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. And those words changed everything. 
After a lifetime of broken hearts and unhealed wounds, marriages that ended as quickly as they began, the scorn of an entire village and a self-confidence as low as the dirt that they stood on, the woman at the well had met Jesus. She had met the one who could quench her inner thirst, and she believed. And when she believed, she experienced grace on tap. So are you tired of constantly struggling to take care of your own inner thirsts? You know, back when I was 11 years old, I thought of grace as a trap. And for years, it left me empty and desperate to know something more, something that could fix what was inside of me. I grew up in church. I knew about Jesus. But it wasn't until I was 17 years old that I chose to know Jesus. And when I believed in who he was, he poured out his grace on tap. He changed my life, made it a life truly worth living. So if you've never believed in Jesus, then you have a gap in your life that you are incapable of bridging yourself. Your only hope is to know Jesus. And today Jesus is extending the same offer to you that he extended to the Samaritan woman 2,000 years ago. The opportunity to know him. It's not just for the religious or the rich. It's for the poor and the confused and the screwed up and the addicted and the neglected. It's for everyone. It's grace on tap. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If you know today that you've never believed in Jesus, maybe you know all about him, but you don't know him, then I want to ask you to be courageous and to just look back up here at the stage. This is your life. There's a gap, and you know it. And today, you can do something about it. So if you're ready to know Jesus, I wanna invite you right now to pray something similar to this. God, I recognize that there is a gap in my life. And I admit that I cannot fix it myself. And today I choose to believe that Jesus came down for me. Today I choose to know Jesus. And I trust that knowing him will forever connect me to your unending grace. And so I thank you, God, I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And I pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.